Hello team, Alex Gem yet again with the Alex Gem Experience. This podcast is about sleep. Yes, the significance of sleep. Firstly, we're going to start off with addressing why sleep is important. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to be surprised with some of the um, the science that supports some of these um, assertions today. We're also going to uncover um, the effects of poor sleep and uh, positively the 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 great things that derive from sleeping well, both in terms of quality and quantity. And then we're going to move on to some specific ways in which we can uh, begin to sleep better because uh, we are currently living within a culture at the moment where it's kind of celebrated to not be sleeping well. It's almost like a competition, who sleeps less, and you kind of have a laugh with your friends about it. And that's the kind of like disturbing culture and uh, paradigm that we find ourselves uh, living out Um because of our busy lives, you know, so many things we're juggling, uh, getting eight hours sleep just seems inconceivable uh, on a regular basis for most of the population. And maybe that's one of the reasons why poor sleeping patterns leads to, you know, the fact that most people spend 70% of their entire lives living in chronic stress. And when you live in stress, which is essentially fear, um, it makes sense that people might suffer from sleeping disorders, insomnia or milder forms of issues like interrupted sleep, uh, not being able to consistently sleep well. Um, so I personally think that sleep is quite possibly the most beneficial thing we could ever do for ourselves. And I'm talking about every conceivable positive trait, uh, strategy, tip that I can or anyone can give i think sleep is essentially number one i really do and i think (laughs) uh, maybe it's hyperbole but sleep can improve and improve all circumstances in life whether you're someone who wants to get a promotion or to to learn something or to pass a test or become certified uh, sleep will benefit you if you're someone who's having issues within your relationships um, then sleep can support that and help in many ways and we'll uncover what those mean exactly and what it looks like if you're someone who wants to improve their body want to lose fat or gain muscle sleep plays a vital role in that as well Um, if you're someone who wants to improve their productivity and performance whether athletically speaking or just uh, performing in general or when they do presentations or when they do talks or when they play a musical instrument or when they practice dance or any creative arts or anything like that, uh, you're going to learn the importance of sleep and what it does to us. So I I know in a way it's it's a bit of a tedious topic today because I can appreciate that, you know, it's not a sexy thing to talk about, you know, the importance of sleep. It's not like we're addressing, you know, how to get into peak state or how to change your physiology or how to get better results or how to develop more confidence or have greater self-esteem or these really cool, fun topics. Yes, we are talking about the most, (laughs) you know, the quietest activity you could possibly do, and that's sleeping. But that's, you know, sometimes we need to do the things that we don't want to do, and that involves sleeping. So anyway, got that out of the way. Uh, let's start to address some of the different facets that get affected uh, by poor sleep. So let's first look at performance. Yes, so I, I touched upon this earlier because science now shows that if we do not sleep well, then 
our skills, our ability to execute in a sporting event or in an area that requires coordination or your ability to speak coherently and clearly and use great vocabulary and these sorts of things are greatly diminished. Up to 20 to 30% of your skill, your ability to perform is compromised by just one poor night of sleep. I find that absolutely staggering. You know, and speaking of physical performance, like your risk of getting injured if you're someone who's into sports or athletics or resistance training or just, you know, doing circuits or um, any kind of exercise regime, you know, the probability of you getting injured rises up to 60%. That's over 50%, obviously, uh, 60% chance of our greater probability of getting injured because of just one poor night's sleep. That's, that's overwhelming. That's incredible. Not only that, our performance, our productivity can be reduced by as much as 40% because of sleep deprivation. 40%, that's almost half of your ability, your productivity, the things you get done can be reduced by up to 60%. That's crazy. One poor night's sleep. That just goes to show that if you're someone who really relies upon their skill, their aptitudes, their ability to think quickly, alertly, to process information well, which essentially all of us in different ways, I guess, um, it's, this is everything. Sleep is critical. You could be the most intelligent, insightful, talented Skillful artist, performer, technician, engineer, masseuse, what have you. And you you become lackluster, hopeless, incapable, incompetent. Not because of your ability or your memory or anything like this. Because you just slept wrong. <laughs> because you didn't have quality sleep the night before. I don't know about you, but that is um, incredibly profound. And it just goes to show that if you can get yourself used to sleeping well, if you can get yourself into the right routines, and I'll, I'll go about this in, in greater depth later on. But if we can just find a way to sleep better, our communications will improve, our relationships will improve, our self-esteem will improve, um, we'll become more rational, less emotional, and all these sorts of things. But I'll touch upon that later. So yes, our performance, as I've outlined with the statistics that science now provides, um, our ability to perform, live up to our own expectations, execute at a higher level, get into peak state in order to perform um, is greatly compromised. And I find that um, absolutely staggering. Now, let's move on to uh, the next part, which is even more serious. Now, I know that, you know, risk of injury is serious, but uh, this next section incredibly um, is going to open up a lot of eyes. Because I know we all, from a detached perspective, kind of respect the importance of sleep. We're all quite logical in that regard. But when you really know the science, when you really know what studies and research is now showing, um, I think this is going to be a very eye-opening podcast for all of us. So now let's talk about our uh, hormones in the first part, and then we'll move on to health. So we're kind of looking at our, our again, still our performance our physical shape, how poor sleep can negatively affect 
uh, our weight loss endeavors, our ability to gain muscle and all these sorts of things. So quite drastically, men who sleep less than five hours a night, it can be proven that their level of testosterone is equal to someone who is 10 years their elder. So if you are a 30-year-old man or woman and you're not sleeping well for a few days, within close succession, close proximity, levels of testosterone, assertiveness, confidence, risk-taking ability, aggression, all these different components, you would have that equal to someone who's 10 years older than your current age. So you essentially, just by sleeping poorly for a few days, your level of testosterone can go from being a 30-year-old's testosterone levels to being 40 a 40-year-old, even your, your own self, you age by 10 years in terms of your hormonal function is what I'm saying to you. Uh, that's very alarming. That's, uh, that, that's incredible. Now, I know that alcohol can affect one's testosterone. Uh, and, you know, just by getting, you know, intoxicated and drunk, um, your testosterone levels can be reduced by uh, up to three weeks. And I, I found that statistic quite staggering. But this one really tops it all. Um, 10 years your senior, just by a few days of poor quality sleep, that is incredibly disastrous. So, um, you know, a lot, a lot of this podcast is going to be quite negative. Let's just be honest here. Um, but hopefully it's, hopefully it's eye-opening and hopefully we, we can um, move forward and, and start to change our, our programs, our routines so that we can sleep better. Um, yeah, muscle recovery. Mental recovery, I'll touch upon that later on. But sleep is massively important in terms of enabling our, the muscles that we tear when we go, when we're training, when we're exercising, if you're lifting weights or you're going running and you're sore. Sleep enables you, I'm sure you know this one already, sleep enables your muscles to recover, to repair the tissues that have been torn and ripped because of use. That's how you build muscle. You have to tear the muscle tissue down and then it builds up again stronger the next time, right? And sleep plays a massive role in that as well. You know, in terms of diet and weight loss as well, you know, 70% of our weight loss can be greatly harmed. Like the body does not want to lose body fat. Because of being sleep deprived. But when we're sleep deprived, guys, what happens is our body goes into survival mode. Okay? And that's why we tend to lose muscle rather than fat. And we can tend to store fat when we're in survival mode. Because the body thinks something's wrong. We're not sleeping well. Constantly uh, aware of threats and deleterious issues. And obviously... This is what happens when you're not eating well as well. And, you know, there's a strong correlation between not eating well um, and what that does to your, uh, your energy levels and your hormonal function as well. So what I'm saying to you is if you're on a diet and you're not sleeping well as well, in, in coordination of both of those together, then... You might lose weight, but 70% of that weight loss will be your own muscle mass, is what we're saying here. This is what science is now proving. 
So you could think, I'm dieting, what's going on here? I'm losing weight, but I'm losing my muscle. That's not good. I used to be lean, I used to, you, you know, have a great physical shape. And yes, I'm losing weight, but I'm not losing body fat, which is what I want, and I'm losing muscle. What's going on? It's because if you're dieting and you're restricting your caloric intake and simultaneously you're not sleeping well, and by that I mean sleeping six hours or less on a regular basis, then of course you're going to lose predominantly lean muscle as opposed to body fat. So bear this in mind. And speaking of weight loss, what happens is there, there are two hormones responsible for satiety, for suppressing appetite of, and, you know, a hunger hormone, which is called um, ghrelin. So we've got this hormone called leptin. So when we sleep well, leptin functions appropriately. And leptin, leptin communicates to us that we are satisfied, that we are full, that we are satiated. So by sleeping well, leptin functions, the brain works appropriately and we feel fuller for longer. You're not sending signals to your, body, your brain and body that you need to eat. And vice versa, it also, if you're sleeping well, it also keeps ghrelin, the opposite of leptin, working, functioning appropriately as well. But if we're not sleeping well, and by that I mean six hours or less on a regular basis, ghrelin, the ghrelin hormone is going to go through the roof. And not only are you going to eat so much more in terms of quantity of food, but studies now show that ghrelin also makes us eat ravenously, way too much, and also make worse choices for our foods. So you're more likely to pig out and get junk food if you're not sleeping well, as opposed to making better decisions for your health and opting for that, that uh, you know, fish or that lean meat with salad or sweet potato and those, these kind of healthy dishes, right? Uh, and I find that quite significant as well. So um, sleep is one of the key components that I teach a lot of my clients about how to stay in shape, how to stay healthy, how to eradicate disease, illnesses, improve your immune function, have more energy levels, have your hormones functioning appropriately and these sort of things, your metabolism and so on and so forth. Um, so, you know, it, it saddens me to say this, but that's the positive part of this section then because uh, it's going to get even more dismal now because we're still talking about health here. But now we're talking about mental health and now we're talking about uh, our physical health. So when we don't sleep, what happens is we enter deeper cognitive decline, especially as it relates to ageing. And Alzheimer's disease and dementia. So poor quality sleep increases and speeds up, revs up the process of developing age-related illnesses. That's how significant sleep is because what happens is when we sleep, guys, it's an opportunity for us to clean out the plaque in our brain. That's what happens when we're resting, when we're sleeping, if you, if you will. The genes that comes and cleans out the brain and all the toxins and the harm that we did um, just by being awake, and I'll touch upon that later as well. Um, that's our chance to clean out the brain. And if we don't, and if plaque builds up within the brain, that's one of the leading causes behind Alzheimer's dementia and so on and so forth. Okay. Also, hereditary, just for your incidentally, as a side note, you know, if someone is, uh, suffers from like diabetes or cancer, then these illnesses in turn 
also turn into uh, dementia and or Alzheimer's as we age. So illnesses can turn into other illnesses over time. But that's a side note. So let's get back to what we're talking about. Um, Our immune system is massively compromised when we don't sleep well, like incredibly so. So you're more likely to be at risk and susceptible to acquiring illnesses and also significant diseases like I spoke about just now. Okay. Let me let me give you the, the science behind it. So what happens is, and this is a very cool name, a lot of these cells that we have, <laughs> they've got very boring, laborious scientific terms. But this is quite cool because what happens is when we sleep, we have what's called natural killer cells, right? That's produced within the body and they actually help us. I know they sound quite aggressive, <laughs> natural killer cells, but they really help us because what they do when we sleep is they literally... Spot and identify deleterious harmful elements in the brain and body, and they actually function to eliminate them. Think of them as, as like a vacuum, cleaning out plaque, cleaning out the bad toxins, eradicating the problems, the harmful substances within our mind and body as we sleep. However, if we don't sleep, then this, this is what I find staggering. If we don't sleep, then these natural killer cells can be reduced by up to 70%, over two-thirds of these incredible natural killer cells aren't able to function and do their jobs properly by keeping us safe, healthy. That, to me, is one of the most shocking statistics. And let me tell you why. Because these immune-boosting cells, these natural killer cells, they literally help to eradicate cancerous cells they literally prevent us from developing cancer so essentially what i'm saying here guys is that by not sleeping well we are significantly enhance our potential to acquire harmful illnesses and diseases such as cancer different types of cancers and so on and so forth that's how important sleep is here let's also talk about gene activity so when we don't sleep well We have 711 genes that become distorted. What's really messed up about this situation is that half of these genes that become distorted, what happens when we don't sleep well, the good genes actually stop working. They switch off due to poor sleep. And these are the good cells that are linked to supporting immune function, keeping us strong so that we don't acquire these diseases, these illnesses, these flus and so on and so forth. And what's even more baffling and disturbing is that the other half of the cells, the bad cells, if you will, those actually become enhanced. These are the the negative genes that actually enhance our stress, possibility of developing tumors the problems leading to long-term chronic inflammation in the body this is why we get sore get injured our body stops functioning properly we are, why we acquire all types of fat like visceral fat and white fat and these sorts of things and i mean if, if these kind of statistics that i've shared with you over the last two or three minutes doesn't really start to make you st- take sleep even more seriously, then I don't know what will, guys. I mean, 
this is as serious as it gets. So let's now move on to, as a side note, let's let's talk about stress. In particular for this section, let's talk about oxidative stress. So firstly, what is oxidative stress? Oxidative stress is, is quite a, a general term. There are many different types of things that induce oxidative stress. But let me first outline what it is. So oxidative stress quite essentially refers to free radicals here. So when we live an unhealthy life full of oxidative stress, and I'll give examples of what leads to that in a moment, what happens is we produce free radicals in our bodies. Free radicals are, let me give you an analogy, are like criminals. Think about criminals in society, those who steal, rob, kill, are sinful, these sort of things, right? This is how I want you to think about it. And free radicals, just like robbers and stealers and so on and so forth, free radicals look to go around and to take, to steal things from harmful cells, or in this analogy, people, people who are more well-off, who suffer uh, crimes and, and robberies and so on and so forth. So that's, what I, that's how I want you to understand how free radicals work. And what happens is this, free radicals, they go around because they, they, they have a missing electron. They've got something missing within them. And they want to be complete. But for them to be complete, they go around and they start ruining the DNA and the cell function of other healthy cells. This is what we call a, a negative chain reaction. This is what starts it. This is oxidative stress. So it's exposure to oxygen. That's what happens when these free radicals start to take from other um, cells. This is what the transference of electrons. And yes, it leads to the disease, if you will, spreading. Because that's what, if you have too many free radicals spreading throughout your body, that's what, you know, we acquire disease, illnesses and so on. So as a result of oxidative stress, if it gets out of control. So now that we understand what oxidative stress is, there are so many things that we can do. And I'm going to talk about things like polyphenols and, and flavonoids. And essentially, I want you to think of colourful fruit and vegetables, like your peppers, your avocados, your kale leaves, your spinach leaves, your tomatoes, um, your berries, your blueberries, raspberries, all these sorts of fruits and vegetables. Okay? When we eat these sorts of foods, guys, they produce high amounts, copious amounts of antioxidants. And these antioxidants carry the missing electrons. And they literally go around and they start to give the missing electrons back to those free radicals that were harmed before. And that's one of the only ways in which we can turn unhealthy cells and to change their DNA structure and to make them healthy over time through eating healthily. Our nutrition plays a key role. So sleep also plays a massive role in reducing oxidative stress. And vice versa, oxidative stress leads to sleep disorders, sleep problems, poor quality inhibited sleep. So as I promised, I'm going to give you some examples of what oxidative stress is. So oxidative stress can occur in a multitude of different ways. One of them is poor nutrition. Like eating a diet high in refined sugars, too much glucose, too much sugar, leading to insulin um, resistance, which is when your, your cells aren't able to readily absorb uh, glucose, sugar effectively anymore because it's got too much sugar in it already. And then, you know, this leads to uh, your your pancreas producing more and more glucose to try and force yourselves to eat it even more. 
It's kind of like someone trying to force you to eat when you're already full. That's kind of what's happening here. Another analogy for you here. Uh, and it leads to um, glucose not being readily absorbed by these cells and it spills over and spends more time in your bloodstream, which is, you know, leading to all kinds of uh, problems like high blood pressure, diabetes, type 2 and, and all these sorts of things. Uh, so the, the your nutrition, the foods in which you eat um, can lead to oxidative stress, even things like pesticides. Uh, pesticide sprays like sprays that kill insects. If you're, um, you know, if you're breathing in these kind of things um, that can lead to oxidative stress pollutants. Um, so harmful toxins. Uh, as a consequence of like wildfires and these sorts of things can promote uh, disastrous, uh, deadly toxins that we breathe in. And that leads to oxidative stress as well. Uh, you also got things like self-inflicted, if you will, things like um, if you overtrain, overtraining, exercising too much, not giving your body a chance to recover. That can lead to oxidative stress as well and therefore impairing quality of sleep and um uh, ruining our immunity, increasing the risk of developing diseases and illnesses. Um, what else can do that? Now, emotional trauma, being very emotional, being grieving, lamenting can can increase oxidative stress. Um, yes, sleep deficiency, sleep deprivation, um, work related stress. So if you're too stressed, and I mentioned earlier, a lot of people spend seventy percent of their lives living in chronic stress because of financial issues and or because of demands from their jobs and their spouse or what have you, and so on and so forth. Uh, so oxidative stress can be developed in many different capacities. I don't want to. You know, this is a podcast about sleep, so I don't want to dwell on it for too much. Um, so let's move on. So let's talk about stress in general. Let's also mention um, what it does to our neurotransmitters. So we've got neurotransmitters. And I'll tell you some prevalent familiar ones, such as like serotonin and dopamine and GABA, which is a major inhibitor, helps you to sleep well and stuff like that. And you've got other um, like glutamate and you've got... Um, norepinephrine, epinephrine, all these kind of um, neurotransmitters. Our mind and body has over 100 uh, different neurotransmitters. So um, they're, they're very important, very, very important indeed, because they coordinate our behavior. They send signals to, they allow signals to transfer between our neurons, between our brain cells uh, and between our neurons and also another target cell within the body because it coordinates behavior, like I mentioned. So we want our neurotransmitters to be balanced because if they are imbalanced, like like I mentioned earlier, serotonin, uh, norepinephrine, all these sorts of things, if they're imbalanced, then we make worse choices for ourselves, our lives, and, and we'll, we won't sleep well. So by reducing stress, we can produce appropriate, because you, appropriate levels of dopamine and serotonin, for example, um, Dopamine being both excitatory and inhibitory. But anyway, we don't want to go into too much detail. But you don't want too much dopamine. You don't want too much serotonin either because that can lead to overexcitement, uh, restlessness and these sorts of things. So I'm sure you've heard the idiom, the, the, the saying before, you know, everything in moderation. Um, and especially as it relates to our neurotransmitters, that definitely rings true. So if we keep our... If we reduce our stress levels, become more peaceful, become more present, 
sleep well, good nutrition, quality supportive relationships, not as harsh with ourselves. We, we aren't overwhelmed and carried away with our own egos and these sort of things. Then our neurotransmitters will function more appropriately. If they function better, then we will sleep better. And the same goes to what I mentioned earlier, uh, neurotransmitters and hormones relating to adrenaline. So you've got norepinephrine and epinephrine in particular. Now, if these, if these neurotransmitters get out of balance and we, our bodies produce excessive amounts of these, then that will lead to insomnia, it will lead to sleep disorders, it will lead to restlessness and over time madness. And I'll touch upon that later on as well. Um, because what happens is, guys, if we struggle with insomnia, if we're not sleeping well, then when we sleep, that's when our creative centers flourish. That's why we tend to have these really outrageous dreams. And most of the time, it doesn't make much sense. And um, our, our brain gets that kind of creative release, if you will. Maybe because we're having to function and be so appropriate during our day to day lives when we're awake in, you know, communicating and so on and so forth. And when we sleep is our chance to really be creative, really let loose because our, our prefrontal cortex stops working. Our logical thinking brain stops working when we sleep. And instead, our emotional centers, our creative centers really uh, wreak havoc, really. Uh, and that's good. That's healthy. The problem is if we're not reaching deep sleep and we're not experiencing what they call sleep swindles, which are these deep brainwaves uh, um, experiences where that occur when we sleep, then what's going to happen is we'll start to become mad and insane whilst we are awake. That's right. You'll start to hallucinate. You'll start to see things. You'll start to uh, become a compulsive liar. You'll start to develop obsessive addictive thinking and addictions because of poor sleep and that your brain is not functioning the way it needs to be functioning. Okay? So... Uh, yes, deep sleep is imperative for maintaining um, yeah, our mentality, maintaining appropriate healthy function. Um, let's touch upon kindness because this is going to be quite interesting. So like I mentioned earlier, our prefrontal cortex stops working when we sleep deprived. And this will make people actually, when they're awake and communicating, this will make people more careless. This will make people less empathetic, less caring. And people make worse decisions for themselves and for their relationships. And they'll stop building rapport because they stop being kind. They're not as sympathetic. They're not as caring. They're not as loving. They're not as patient because of poor sleep. So yes, our personal relationships are massively affected by our ability to sleep. So bear that in mind, you know, and not just that, you know, our emotional centers won't work well due to sleep deprivation and people actually become more emotional and actually more aggressive as a result of not being able to sleep well. Again, it relates to what I said earlier about neurotransmitters not functioning appropriately due to sleep issues as well. Let's talk about learning because, yes, um, our, learn, our ability to learn and grow and develop and, and stimulate neuroplasticity and change and rewire our own brains and become better, newer versions of ourselves over time, that becomes significantly compromised. 
because of poor sleep. So science now shows that we not only need quality sleep once we've learned something. So say if you're, you want to learn something for your job, your career to get qualified, certified, all these sorts of things. Or you just want to learn something because it's an interest, a passion of yours. Obviously, if you're learning something throughout the day, it's very important. And I'm sure you understand this. It's very important for you to sleep well that night. Because that's when your brain recovers. That's when your ability to that's when you're able to transfer your short-term knowledge into your long-term memory. When you sleep, that's what happens. That transfer, if you will, takes place. That's when you essentially get to press the save button and restore all this knowledge. Okay? Not not necessarily long-term, because you need to constantly revise and relearn things over time, otherwise, you will forget them over time. That's just natural. But to an extent, right? But not just that, not only do we have to sleep well, and by that I mean seven hours or more, uninterrupted sleep, the, uh, the day, the evening, when you, when you have learned something, but also the night before. So what I'm saying to you is, you have to sleep seven hours or more the day before you start to learn things, and also that evening as well. So it's not just about sleeping well that night, that will not be enough. You'll still, it will help, don't get me wrong, but not as proficiently as though you had slept well the night before and that very evening. Okay, very important stuff here. So there, science has now shown, guys, that there is also a 40% deficit in our brain's ability to create new memories without sleep quality. 40% chance. That means our ability to, to remember things, to restore information that we've learned, to remember things in terms of our short-term knowledge and our short-term experiences and past experiences. Because, you know, it's not good to live in the past. Of course, I'll teach this as well. But sometimes you do need to refer to past experiences for memory, for regaining information that you want to bring up now. Uh, for example, say you learned something very important in a meeting 10 years ago and you want to use those same strategies in a meeting that you're going to use this week, for example. Like you need to be able to call upon these memories to support you today. In those instances, it's appropriate to go back into your past. Anyway, I digress slightly. Because powerful brainwave patterns occur when we're in deep sleep. And so, yes, we can not just maintain new learning, but we can also learn more quickly and develop in our careers, our professions, in our just, in just our personal lives by sleeping well, guys. Let's talk about brain function, okay? Now, certain parts of our brain become 30% more active when we are in deep sleep, what we call REM sleep, where our creative centers really switch on when we start to dream, that dream state, if you will. So interestingly, like I mentioned earlier, all our creative, emotional, motor, uh, memory-related centers switch on when we sleep, but our prefrontal cortex switches off. Our brain is actually more active when we fall asleep. I think that, that often tends to uh, baffle people as well. We think that you know when we're awake, we tend to analyze, evaluate, think, and, and make all these uh, executive functions and plan and, and all these great decisions whilst we're awake. But interesting enough, our brain actually becomes more active upon resting when we sleep. 
Um, and this is really interesting because our, our mind actually paralyzes our own body. Do you know why? It's because when we sleep and we start to dream, like something like, I don't know, whether you're going to be riding a dragon or whether you're going to be flying in your dream or whether you're going to be jumping out of the plane or something like that. What happens is our mind paralyzes our body so that we're not moving when we sleep, so that we don't try to live out and sleepwalk and start to live out what's going on in our dream. That's what, how it happens here. And I found that very fascinating. I think that's really cool stuff that I wanted to share with you. So when we, not only does sleep enable us to be more creative because our creative emotional centers are expressed and that's when uh, there's a lot of trial and error that happens when we sleep, guys. Our brain actually functions, it experiments with its own thoughts, new possibilities, new perspectives. This obviously doesn't have that happen at a conscious level because you're sleeping, right? We're in delta brainwave state here. But your brain is actually learning new connections, new synaptic connections occur when you're sleeping. Your brain kind of gets a chance to experiment in terms of creating new thoughts and and trying out new things whilst we sleep. I find that incredible. How amazing is that? But you can't come up with new possibilities and make new connections and essentially new thoughts in your brain if you're not sleeping well, guys. Here's another really interesting fact here. That when we're actually awake, just like right now, we are actually incurring low-level brain damage. That's right. Right now, we're giving ourselves very minimal, let's not get crazy, very minimal brain damage. So especially the more active um, we are mentally and physically throughout the day, right? So when we sleep, that's our chance to kind of recuperate and to get rid of and cleanse the brain to get rid of these metabolic toxins that have built up throughout the day. So it's a time to restore and repair, as you know. And this statistic is really interesting as well. Studies show that if you're actually awake for 20 hours nonstop, there's no sleep within just 20 hours. It's not too long, really, if you think about it. But if you're up for 20 hours, what happens is you become so cognitively impaired just as cognitively impaired as if you are drunk. So this is quite people, uh, for people who, uh, you know, want to be careful with their expenditure. Guys, you do not have to drink alcohol in order to get drunk. Just stay awake for 20 hours if you want to feel the same way. I find that really shocking, really disturbing, really alarming. And, you know, sleep deprivation is uh, one of the main causes of incidents, car accidents and so on and so forth. So sleeping is absolutely crucial for not just our own safety, mental wellness and physical wellness, but also for that of others. So let's move. Let's talk about leadership. What I find really interesting, and the surveys were done by employees in the workplace. And this is what ensued. Leaders who have been reported as not sleeping very well, that means six hours or less on a regular basis. What happened was, surveys were done by the workforce about their leadership. And statistics have now shown that leaders who sleep six hours or less were actually rated as less charismatic. 
than, than other leaders in other corporations who sleep well consistently. I find that incredible. Now, there, it's down to you. It's quite subjective in terms of the, the nuances here. But I interpret these scientific statistics to, to teach me that this is because maybe leaders who aren't sleeping well, deep quality and quantity, maybe they are more impatient, more demanding, less empathetic, less caring. They don't give you that extra time. They don't give you that extra emotional support. They don't check up on you as much. They're more negative, perhaps. And hence why they're not rated as charisma. Because uh, really, charisma is your ability to, to lead, your ability to motivate, inspire, captivate your team. And that becomes significantly diminished through poor quality of sleep. And now we touched upon leadership, but also employees themselves. If employees slept less, they actually end, ended up producing less. And not just producing less, but also producing a worse quality than what they're capable of doing. What was noted is that employees tend to coast more and are more likely to take other people's successes as their own as a result of poor sleep. They be- essentially, it makes sense, but they become lazier. And it's understandable. It's not their fault. If you're not sleeping well, you can't work hard. You're, like I said at the start of this podcast, your performance, your productivity is diminished by up to 40% because of a poor night's sleep. So I find this really astonishing. And you can see how, how sleep can really ruin the function, the operations, the systems within companies and businesses. So our economy can massively improve if people were sleeping better. Really astonishing stuff here. Okay, so now I've given you some really incredible insights into the importance of sleep. Let's start talking about how to improve sleep. Yes, so many things we can do. Some of them are quite obvious, I'm sure you'll assume, but some of them are so nuanced and meticulous um, and really, really powerful, quite indirect strategies as well. Let's do this. So how can we sleep better? Let's talk about light. So in terms of our circadian rhythms, what happens is this. We know that when it's light outside, we tend to stay awake. And we also know that when it's dark outside, it's kind of a trigger for us. It's more like an antisocial time when people... Go to sleep when it gets darker, traditionally, right? Everyone, everyone's different. But that's essentially how this sort of thing works. So what we have to understand is, if we are looking at our phones, our laptops, our computers, watching the TV too much, this, these lights produce blue light, really powerful light that communicates to the brain to firstly stay awake. But also, yeah, it, it literally triggers to the brain not to sleep. It, it inhibits the production of melatonin. Melatonin helps to relax us, guys. Melatonin prepares us for sleep. That's why you've got melatonin supplementation to help you sleep better. Melatonin help, and GABA for that matter. You can get a GABA supplement as well to help with your sleep quality. It, it gets the brain in a more... And chamomile tea can help as well. And all these kind of peppermint teas can help us relax. These are 
very easy ways of teaching the body to relax, to be calm, to get ready for a nice night's sleep so that we transition more easily from high beta or beta brainwave states, really alert, thinking too many thoughts per minute uh, into being more uh, transitioning into alpha, then transitioning into theta to therefore transitioning into delta, which is essentially sleeping. Okay, so we have to go through these these patterns, these brainwave states before we sleep. But if you're looking at these these blue these blue lights as given off through uh, the phones, mobile phones, and all these sorts of things, then you're not going to be able to transition appropriately through those different brainwave states. So yes, um, and so what I suggest is, ideally, and I know this is in ways impractical, but I do think everyone can make some adjustments here. You don't want to be using your phone. You don't want to be messaging, calling. You don't want to be arousing and stimulating yourself too much. You don't want to be looking at computers, researching things, watching the TV too much. Within one to three hours upon going to bed. Now, I know that three hours sounds a bit much, but that's what the science is now showing. Your melatonin production is massively inhibited by up to three hours upon finishing looking at your phone, your screens, these sort of things. And interestingly enough, even if you do sleep, unfortunately, we don't go experience the same amount of REM deep sleep if we had not been seeing these blue lights. That is massive. So not only... Is it harder for you to fall asleep because you're looking at these screens, but you do not, you're not allowing your brain to fall into these deepest sleep swindles, such as your your REM sleep, your deep sleep. Okay, that's so significant, guys. So yes, be cautious of these. Um, you're going to want to anchor yourself to sleep. So this is a really cool strategy. Um, So different physical environments trigger different circuits in our brain. So when you go to the gym, have you ever not really wanted to go to the gym before? And then when you got to the gym, I don't know, you started stretching, you got into the environment, you started to see the machinery, the equipment, you started seeing the people sweating, training, pushing themselves, you listen to the music, then all of a sudden you have more energy, right? That's because certain external environments trigger certain thoughts, emotions and behaviours within yourself, okay? It triggers certain patterns. So why am I telling you this? Well... Your bed, you, you want to associate your bed, literally the bed that you sleep on and your room for that matter. You want to associate that space with rest and sleep. But if you're in bed and you're thinking about stressful situations or you're on your phone or you're studying or you're, um, or you're doing things that really make you alert and awake and these sort of things, then you're going to begin to associate going to bed as not being a time for sleep and rest. You're going to ruin your associations to your bed and what it means, what it represents to you. This is really powerful stuff, guys. So be uh, cognizant of these sort of things. Uh, Let's move on. So many things to talk about. Um, Yes, your diet. The things you ingest, guys. Obviously, alcohol turns into glucose. Alcohol is... Produce, produces a lot of toxins within us, same for illicit drugs. So, yes, these are no-brainers. Alcohol, too much alcohol, um, excessive use of alcohol, illicit drugs, um, 
too much relying too much on medication so licit drugs for that matter as well but also things like i mentioned earlier refined processed foods all these sorts of things can really mess with our our hormonal function our energy levels it can really really inhibit the quality of our sleep guys not just that diets that are actually high in starchy carbs and refined sugars actually not only ruin sleep length but also it leads to fragmented sleep that means you're more likely to wake up during your sleep interrupted sleep you're more likely to toss and turn and wake up several times throughout the night if you've had drugs if you uh, have been drinking too much and so on and so forth if you're having too much sugar so bear that in mind and also on a side note as well like same goes for caffeine like you do not want to have caffeine much later than 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Because the effects of caffeine can oftentimes last more than six hours. And therefore start to impede upon the quality of your sleep here. So make sure that you're sleeping well. You know, do your best to be more sensible in terms of what you're putting into your body. Make sure you don't go to bed being either too full because you don't want to have a massive meal before you go to bed it's going to be hard for your body to relax because you know the, the, the most physically tiring thing the most exhausting thing to do in life is to digest a big meal it's literally more exhausting than doing hit training or even having sex for that matter that's how exhausting it is for your body to break down foods so if you've had a big meal late at night say you've gone for a booze out you're, you're drinking you have, want to have a big kebab to help you to, to soak up the alcohol, in a way, that's a good thing to do because it might stop a hangover, of course. But you're also hurting yourself in another way as well because you're having a big meal and it's going to be harder for you to sleep well because you're, you're exhausted. You're too busy digesting. Have you ever been exhausted? Like, If you have a big meal, how likely are you to want to get up and go for a run shortly after? You're not going to want to. Have you ever, ever had a big plate of like pasta, for example, or a lot of bread in your, in your meal? And start your carbs and these sort of things. Like you feel exhausted for a couple of hours after. That's what's happening here. So you don't want to eat a large meal soon upon going to bed. And you also don't want to go to sleep too hungry. And, you know, this is why people who uh, also why people adhere to, you know, a healthy diet such as a ketogenic diet. You know, I adhere to that a lot of the time. I fluctuate between keto and um and just a low carb diet. That that's my those are my preferences. What I found work work better for me. Um, but keto, even though the ketones are great for cognitive function, what happens is it can lead. It can make it harder for you to fall asleep. So you don't want to go to sleep too hungry, as well. So those are just small things to help you out here. Things to consider. Okay. Interestingly. Your body needs to drop its core temperature by two to three degrees in order to fall asleep. That's right. It will help us to sleep in a cool environment. That's why people struggle to sleep when they're in a a hot, heated, warm environment. Okay, so small things like sleeping half naked, small things like keeping the window open or if you're living in a a hot country, uh, using aircon. But interestingly, you might want to keep your hands and your feet relatively warm when you do so. 
So it's kind of like keep your hands and your feet under the duvet, but your rest of the body do not, does not have to be covered by your duvet, for example. But anyway, I'll let you get creative. This is very subjective for all of us in different instances. But yes, we do need to sleep. We, we are able to not just fall asleep more easily in a cooler environment, but we also experience deeper, better quality sleep. We can stay in quality sleep and deep sleep and experience the sleep cycles by, living, by sleeping in a cool environment as well. Very important stuff, guys. Um, obviously, anything that stimulates a lot of heat, and a lot of cold can support quality sleep. So having a, I like to personally alternate between hot and cold showers, great for blood circulation, great for uh, eliminating toxins, um, great for stimulating BDNF, brain-derived nootropic factor, improving your cognitive function, but we'll talk about that another time. Um, but it's very helpful for you to get ready to sleep. Um. It's very helpful to get into sleep by having cold or hot baths and showers. Okay, very important indeed. So bear that in mind as, as part of your routine. As well, having a routine for sleep is crucial. Because yes, 95% of our thoughts, our perceptions, our beliefs, our emotions are subconscious programs, meaning we don't have to think about how to experience these patterns of a, of a mentally or physically doing patterns like driving, how, to, how we brush our teeth, how we do our shoelaces without thinking about how to do it, all these sorts of things. Uh, we live most of our lives running subconscious programs and uh, we will want to use that to our advantage in ways. So, and that means establishing a quality sleep routine. Now, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. Everyone's different. But here are some quality routines that you might want to consider. Writing in a diary, meditation, deep breathing. Um, I like to sometimes listen to nature in the background. So birds tweeting, the sound of water, calm environments, creating that serene, tranquil environment to help induce sleep. Uh, reading can be great to calm down the brain and get you ready to sleep. Um, so reading, meditation, cleaning, organising your room perhaps, writing your diary as I mentioned earlier, listening to calm, peaceful music, not excitatory music. Uh, these are all great mechanisms for sleeping well. So I'll let you get creative with that sort of stuff, but, but definitely get into a routine to help you fall asleep for sure. Uh, if you can't fall, to, fall asleep for whatever reason, you're overthinking, you're living within your ego, you're identifying with the mind and all these sorts of things. Um, then the best thing is to get out of bed. Okay, you're going to want to get out of bed in those instances. Go do something else, keep your mind busy and return back to your bed when you're ready to sleep. Okay. Um, and interestingly, you're going to want to sleep in familiar surroundings. So I know that this isn't um, possible in every instance. You know, some people have to travel for a living and sleep in different hotels and these sort of things. Sometimes, you know, you might want to go and stay with your partner or um, you might not be able to sleep in certain familiar environments. I get that. But it's still my part to explain to you what happens, because when you don't sleep in a familiar environment. Part of your body will not switch off when you're sleeping. Part of your brain, sorry, will not switch off when you're sleeping. 
because your brain, whilst you're actually sleeping, so technically you're sleeping, but you're not going to be able to fall into deep quality sleep like I've outlined earlier because your brain is going to be processing threat and the unknown. So your quality of sleep is massively compromised just by sleeping in unfamiliar situations and places. You don't recuperate. Your metabolism suffers as a result and all these sorts of things. So where possible, sleep in familiar environments. Sleep with where you know and where you're comfortable and where you feel secure and safe. Uh, And lastly, just to finish up, exercise, peeps. Exercise, experiencing the sauna. So exercise and sauna are very, very uh, similar in that regard. They have similar effects on heart rate variability, uh, increasing, elevating core body temperature, exhausting oneself. Uh, improving our mood, reducing the risk of uh, all kinds of uh, diseases, uh, illnesses, reducing reducing cardiovascular disease as well, reducing the chance of risk, reducing uh, um, cholesterol levels, all these sorts of things, um, thereby posit- indirectly affecting and improving our quality of sleep. So yes, uh, exercise consistently ex- uh, if you can enjoy the sauna consistently as a means of looking after yourself staying calm staying present getting in that good mood releasing those endorphins uh, the, and experiencing those mood boosting effects uh, that derive from exercising and from going to the sauna for that matter so yes that brings this podcast to a close and if you enjoyed this podcast you want to know more you want to improve your quality of life you want to establish better quality routines you might want to get my free ebook the 10 steps to excellence you can get that at my website at www.alexgem.com hook yourself up it's a lovely short concise powerful read go enjoy that um you're gonna definitely want to get my book the art of power happiness and success you can get that at amazon you can also get it at my store at www.alexgemstore.com get the ebook version there you're gonna love it it's a great read really insightful you're gonna learn and grow so much from doing so um you might want to get my course my elite course developing self-esteem developing your growth abundant mindset helping you to change and eradicate your your limiting beliefs making you feel more confident competent sorry developing your self-esteem making you changing your habits rewiring your brain um essentially achieving your goals it's an absolutely incredible course it's a no-brainer um you can also get that on my website just click where it says join phs course today enter your credit card details you'll gain instant access to this brilliant revolutionary course you're going to love it incredible bonuses attached to this as well you know, ebooks were $50 each, given as bonuses for free. Um, amazing hours of exclusive video footage, podcast material, and audio segments to make you better, more peaceful, more giving, more, more happy, more confident. All these, these really insightful, important areas. Uh, you're going to love the course. I offer, I offer a 30-day money-back guarantee. You're going to be astonished with the price. Go hook yourself up. It's a no-brainer. Go get your hands on it enjoy it and then once you finish the course start it again that's the way to indoctrinate yourself and really start to change your subconscious programs and beliefs over time have a great day folks i hope you really enjoyed this podcast really insightful really powerful stuff stay strong and look after yourself team see you later